and hello everyone and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista along with Nathan Jones. And today we're going to be talking about the rapture road, a verse-by-verse -verse study in biblical prophecy in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, uh, just reveal to us what you want us to know. Bless those who are listening that uh, we may grow in our relationship with you. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Mm, amen. Praise the Lord. Nathan Jones, it's great to have you on the program. How are you doing this week? Excellent, brother. Very good. Great to be on the program. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Nathan. It was such a blessing having you visit us here live this week. Yes, man. Miami is a tropical paradise. I appreciate getting to spend time with you and the folks at Calvary Chapel Aventura and those at North uh, Hylia Baptist Church where we had our conference. Great conference, brother. I appreciate your support, you and your family coming out and encouraging us on. Nathan, we had an excellent time. And let me tell you, I want to thank you for sharing those sessions, the ones that I was able to attend. Excellent topic. And uh, I was so blessed. So thank you. And, and uh, Don Perkins also for being part of the wonderful uh, conference. Yeah, well, thank you, brother. Again, really appreciate it. Get to see you in person, not just over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it was fun because we got to finally post some more of uh, pictures of you and I together because you're all the way in Texas and I'm in Miami, so there's not many opportunities that we get to take pictures together. I know, man. It's been a good year between you coming out here for a pre-trib conference and me coming out there for the North Hylia conference. The Lord's blessed us, brother. I appreciate the friendship. Oh, we had an excellent time, excellent time, and uh, a number of people here in our ministry were blessed because they finally got to see the famous Nathan Jones live. Oh, famous. <laughs> yeah, whatever, okay. <laughs> Nathan, you and I always have a lot of fun, and, uh, yeah. you know, for the past few years, um, we've been making our way through uh, various topics, subject matters in Bible prophecy uh, and, uh, you know, we looked at uh, God's mighty angels in the book of Revelation, in the, in the book of Daniel, and we finished a number of wonderful series. But uh, now we're going to tackle something a little different, and, and it's looking at a biblical prophecy uh, from a verse-by-verse -verse, uh, point of view. And I'm excited as we dive in, Nathan, into uh, 1 Thessalonians. What an incredible book here as we topic our message, uh, The Rapture. A road, And, you know, it's interesting, Nathan, and of course, before we dive in, but uh, Paul, around 50 AD, entered Thessalonica while he was on his second missionary journey. And, and he preached there for only three weeks and was able to uh, establish a, a church. And, uh, you know, sometimes people think that biblical prophecy is too difficult for people to understand or the subject matter of the rapture. But that's not the case, right? True, true. And uh, that three weeks actually is in kind of debate. There's a, a few theologians who think that. There's other theologians who think he was there a few months because he was able to set up his tent-making shop and, and all. But regardless how long he was there, we know that Paul wrote this uh, particular book. It's one of his earliest ones, I believe the second earliest one. And he wrote it from Thessalonica. And the reason for that is that he was driven out of town, as, as he always is. Uh, Paul <laughs> believed in ministering in the synagogues first, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And usually, uh, and sadly, in the Gentile world here in Macedonia, which is near Greece and Turkey, is that it was an area where the Jewish people had been exiled, and they created synagogues. And Paul would go into those synagogues and share the gospel. And if they accepted it, you know, great, the church began. If not, Paul went to the Gentiles. 
And unfortunately, in this town in Thessalonica, the the Gentile, uh, excuse me, the Jewish people did not take kindly to it, and they raided the home of Jason where Paul was staying, and they they brought, dragged them to the magistrate. And they said that Paul was trying to <clears throat> uh, incite a riot against the Roman authority, and the town of Thessalonica shared a, a special. Um, I guess you could say a political relationship with Rome because Rome allowed Thessalonica self-government because they had helped Caesar Augustus over uh, Cassius and Brutus claim uh, to be, uh, you know, Caesarship. Right. So they had a, a very tenuous uh, self-rule, and they were worried that if anything happened, that self-rule would be thrown out. So, brother, Paul really got it, got it bad there because they used that very, uh, I want to say that very wary political position saying that Paul was trying to incite Thessalonica against Rome to force Paul out. But luckily, uh, the magistrates saw through the, what the Jewish people were trying to do, and uh, instead they just told Jason to send Paul and his friends on his way, and they did. Yeah. And so with this letter is written in Corinth, looking back at the town of Thessalonica. Excellent point. You know, Nathan, maybe what I was thinking, if it's cool with you, we can dive in there looking at uh, verse 1 in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And then maybe we can make our way over to the book of Acts chapter 17 in case someone is new to uh, these books and we can give them a little bit more of those verses and background. Yeah, because uh, Thessalonica is an incredibly interesting city, man. It's got a long history that I'd love to get into. Why don't we just do the greeting then, verse 1, and uh, go from there. How's that? Absolutely. That sounds awesome. All right, so we've got Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, that is awesome. And, of course, uh, here he's mentioning um, Thessalonica or the Thessalonians. And, Nathan, will you, we be able to jump there to Acts chapter uh, 17. Maybe we can read verses uh, 1 through 10. This way, as we continue to move forward, making our way through this book, Hopefully our listeners will be able to get a grasp of where these passages are. Sure. Well, if we go to Acts 17, 1 through 10, the New King James reads, Now when they had passed through Amphipopolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and there there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. The Messiah, and some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not one, a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. That's what we read, Silvanus, Silas or Silvanus. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious, and they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, "These who have turned the world upside down have come here too." Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. When the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Ooh, what an incredible background. You know, Nathan, I was looking at, that's an incredible passage. I just love verse 6 because they were blamed for turning the world upside down <laughs> right i mean i wish they would say that about you and i mean that vic and nathan they're turning the world upside down through these messages <laughs> yeah and it requires uh being brave uh standing on the word of god and not backing down paul and silas or paul and barnabas would go into a town and they preach the gospel of jesus and that would upset those who were making a life 
on a particular religion. I think of uh, in Athens how they were uh, the silversmiths would make idols, and they did not like the fact that that Paul was bringing another gospel, as they would. Uh, of course, uh, Caesar worship was real popular then. Uh, you worshipped Caesar. He was your god and, as well as your king. And here the Paul and the other Christian missionaries would come and say, Jesus is king, and that will get them all upset. So they didn't like Paul coming in and rocking the boat. And I love how verse uh, 11 says, These, the Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So what a difference between the Thessalonians who, although Paul led many to the Lord, there was still a, a very harsh rejection. And then the Bereans, who actually loved the Word of God and thought it was worth studying and uh, put their mind to whether it's seeing it was truth or not. Brother, I think that's a good example for us today, that we too should accept the Gospel like the Bereans, studying everything carefully so that we might test it to see if it matches what Jesus taught. Well, excellent point. And Nathan, that's the point where you and I dig into biblical prophecy because we want to be good students of the Word. We don't oftentimes just want to take things for what people say, but let's look at what the Scriptures have to say and be like those Bereans. I'm definitely in agreement with you. Amen, brother. Amen. So, yeah, Paul had quite a time of it uh, bringing the Gospel there, and uh, fortunately he was driven out, but... That never stopped Paul. Paul had already started a little church, whether it was three weeks or three months, as some other theologians believe. There was enough time to start a baby church. Unfortunately, by Paul and Silas and Timothy having to leave, that church was left without any real gospel information to keep them going past salvation. So there were baby Christians without a mother or without a pastor to guide them. So immediately Paul began to write letters and even sent Timothy back uh, you know, much to Timothy, you know, Timothy could have been killed for it, but he was brave enough to go back Amen. and share the gospel and start teaching these people the more meat of the gospel, everything beyond uh, the basics of salvation, but on Christian living and keeping themselves pure. I love that. And, and you know, Nathan, I really love this, this book and also the reference passages because it just has so much there. I just thought it was so interesting. Again, they were blamed for turning the world upside down, and then the rapture is going to turn the world right side up, right? <laughs> that it will be. And I think there's a very, once we get to the end of First Thessalonians chapter 1, there's a great rapture passage. But, uh, yeah, it was tough for the Corinthians, I, I, excuse me, Thessalonians, because I believe today that we live in a society like yes. the Thessalonians. Uh, Thessalonica was a, a town that was founded by uh, General Cassander, one of Alexander the Great's generals. He named Thessalonica. Thessalonians, the Church of Thessalonians, was named after the town Thessalonica, which was also named after Cassander's uh, wife. So there was a name for that. And uh, over the years, it became a major city for the Macedonian area. It was uh, along the Aegean Sea near the Thermaic Gulf, and uh, it had a major road that ran across the Ignatian Way. So Thessalonica was a major trade route and a major port, and it was very important. But with that comes immorality. And just like the town of Corinth, the town of Thessalonica suffered from many different pagan religions and influences and uh, materialism coming through it that would pull the young believers away from Jesus Christ. Mm, and you're absolutely right, Nathan. We find a lot of that uh, carnality and challenges today in the modern church. And, and uh, I'm so glad that Paul was writing to, uh, like you said, to encourage them to live pure and really stand strong 
uh, for their faith. And it reminds you of Sayyid. Uh, he was just released from prison, Nate, after a number of years, right? And he did not cave in. So we have modern-day uh, persecution that we see going on. Yeah, that, the town of Thessalonica I mean, even exists to today. It's called Salonica. But even then, the Nazis in World War II took 60,000 Jews out of that city and executed them. So there's always been a, a Jewish stronghold in the Middle East, but it's also unfortunately been a place of great persecution for both the church and for the Jewish people, even up to this day. Mm, excellent point. And Nathan, that's why as we open up there, First Thessalonians, uh, looking at chapter 1, verse 1, I, I love when Paul writes, Grace to you uh, and peace. And some have called those the Siamese twins, grace and peace, because you grace can't have peace. true peace apart from God's grace, right? <laughs> Not at all. And, and Paul is very, uh, Paul followed the, the typical letter writing of his time period. You know, today we say, dear whoever, how are you today? I'm doing fine. You know, that's a typical boring American letter. In <laughs> Paul's time, what you did is you would say who the person is that is writing the letter, who the audience is who's getting it, and then a little salutation. So that's what we get. Paul announces who's writing it, Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, and then it's to the church in Thessalonians, and then his salutation. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a, man, I think you touch on a great thing, because that is what we should wish to all our fellow believers in Christ, the grace of God and the peace of God. Mm. Those are two of the most important things in a Christian's life. Absolutely. And that's why, Nathan, we know that there's so many that are law-oriented and they forget the grace of God. None of us deserve uh, what God has given to us. Right, Nathan? <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they put themselves under what's called the yoke of slavery, the Old Testament law. They believe they have to follow all the feasts, do all the sacrifices, follow all the Mosaic laws. And uh, that's not. Jesus fulfilled all that and he freed us by his grace. And so we live under God's grace and God's peace. Absolutely. And so, Nathan, and there in verse 2 and on, we continue to follow this incredible uh, letter that was written there. Can you continue to take us through verse 2 and on? Sure. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor, of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in a word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and much assurance, as you know what kind of men we are among you for your sake. Mm. You know, I, I really love that verse, too, uh, making mention uh, of them in our prayers, and, uh, uh, you know, remembering uh, also without season their work of faith and their labor of love, and those things need to be they need to go hand in hand, right, Nathan? Because if what we're doing, we're not doing it for the Lord, if we're not doing it for love, uh, we're really not going to earn any of those heavenly rewards that the Bible talks about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's two things that, that give a pretty clear indication that these people were saved. This church was a, a collection of saved people. One, your election by God. Now, you know, when it says, when you're saved, you're elect. So that you've chosen God and the Holy Spirit has moved you and that's that great mystery of election that uh, no Christian has ever been able to fathom because the mind of God is so deep. But they were elect of God, and we knew that they were saved because of their works. And their works were works of faith, labors of love, and patience of hope in the Lord. So, you know, it's amazing. For a church that was only a few weeks or a few months old, the, the level of Christian maturity coming from these people was quite impressive. Mm, I really, and I agree with you, that is a great point that you're making. And I just love they are, 
talks about patience of hope. And that's one of the areas that when Christians are tested, right, Nathan, that's where you can really see what they're made of, what they are actually made out of as they patiently endure uh, the challenges in life. And this church was under deep uh, persecution. When you think about it, when Paul and all were forced out, it's not like the, the Jewish uh, leaders who were trying to force them out, the synagogue leaders, uh, stopped at not persecuting the church anymore. I'm sure the full wrath of them continued on the people. They probably wanted them to leave the town. A lot of them were all probably brothers and sisters and relatives. And so it caused great division in the city. And you had the continuing pagan influence of the Greek and Roman cultures, the the trade seaport industry coming through and the trade route industry coming through. So you got all those influences from all those foreign lands. So this is very hard. I mean, we're talking about taking a baby church, putting it in the middle of a very, very difficult area and telling it to grow. And Paul commends them for being Christ followers and being great examples for Christ in the midst of all that influence and persecution. Excellent point. You know, verse 5, Nathan, there talks about how the gospel came. It says it did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I really love that because that was evident uh, in uh, Acts chapter 17. Uh, again, we're talking about Jason and the others. They says that these who have turned the world upside down. In other words, they saw the power. They saw the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I love that. that isn't that great? Turn the world upside down. And it was the work of the Holy Spirit. The gospel didn't come timidly, it didn't come quietly, but it came in great power. Look at the result. So many of those people who came to know Jesus as their Savior in Thessalonica, who had never even heard of the gospel before, but the gospel came in power, the Holy Spirit was at work, and those people got saved. And, brother, I believe that even though Paul left and he was able to send some letters and even Timothy back, it was the Holy Spirit that guided that church and kept it, from falling into worldly temptation. Now, Paul later will have some concerns about the people, uh, uh, some bad habits that they had to get rid of. But at this point, Paul is starting out his letter commending them for what the fruit of their faith and love of Jesus Christ. Ooh, excellent point. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, and if you could continue to take us through there, verse 6 and on, Nathan, that would be fantastic. This is just powerful. It is, it is, isn't it? And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turn to God from idols mm. to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Woo! Wow. Nathan, there is just another power-packed verses there. I, I mean, I look at this. It talks about their, their uh, witness uh, in, in the community, and, and they were that light that was shining uh, forth, uh, you know? And, and I just think that that is a great way to live your Christian life. In Matthew, we're told that we're to be salt and light. In other words, our, our Christianity also needs to be seen, not just heard, right? Well, I love how you see someone come into the faith in Jesus Christ, and they're so bubbling over with energy and excitement that they just have this electricity about them. They have to share the gospel. And uh, some of the best preachers are in the best 
teachers of the Bible are the ones that just got saved and they just have to share it with everybody. And I think, brother, this is what we got here. We've got a people who are raised in a pagan, idolatrous city who've been given the truth. And that truth has given them a conscience that they understand right from wrong now. And they were excited for their fellow Thessalonians to get to know about Jesus Christ. So they're being commended for it. Brother, I don't know, I guess over the years our passion kind of wanes as, as uh, Jesus warned the church uh, in uh, Phil, uh, excuse me, the church in Revelation chapter 2, how they had, their faith had, or love with the Lord had grown cold. And I think that's what happens to us. You know, we get comfortable in our relationship with the Lord, and it, it gets cold. But there, this church is still young and vibrant, and they're excited to share the gospel. Uh, you know, Nathan, you made a great point, and, uh, and that's why we also need to pray for us and our ministry that the fire of the Lord will always be burning, that we will not be, get complacent and comfortable in our walk with Him. And that's why evangelism is what keeps the fire burning, right, Nate? As we go out, as we're sharing with people, as we're doing these programs, it really does something for us as well and for our faith. Yeah, a Christian needs to be sharing the gospel. We're Christ followers, and what did Jesus do while he was on earth? He shared the gospel. He shared the good news to all, and so that's what we need to do. As a matter of fact, brother, it seems like that their witness was so strong, even amongst affliction, they had they remained joyful in the Holy Spirit, so they didn't let circumstances get to them. And then because of that, their example wasn't just in the town of Thessalonica, but in all of Macedonia and Achaia, too. So their passion for the Lord reached out as the merchants came in and out along the way there to spread their, their wares, the gospel went with them, and it spread all over Macedonia, too. So, brother, they were positioned in the perfect place to get the gospel out all across the land of Macedonia. Woo! And, you know, Nathan, in a sense, that's what you and I are doing. We're sounding the gospel through the airwaves and the Internet waves to people, really, all around the world, right? <laughs> great, great. Yeah, great comparison, because the communication venues that we have today... We are now sitting on, if I can use an old term, the information superhighway, and that's where the trade comes and goes, just like the Ignatian Way with Thessalonica. And so, brother, I think it's great. We live in a great time period to share the gospel, to get it out, to be passionate about Jesus Christ and get others excited because we're excited. Absolutely. And, and Nathan, we're excited because we know Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's coming back very soon. In verse 10 there, uh, you read that for us, and to wait for his son from heaven, who 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 he raised uh, from the dead. And that is our hope, Nathan, right? We're, we're, the, Jesus Christ is coming back, right? Right. Without the Son of God, the perfect man coming down and dying for our sins, there was no sacrifice worthy of forgiveness of our sins and paying the penalty for those sins. But Jesus Christ is God and man combined. And when he died on the cross and raised from the dead, that victory that Jesus had over death became our victory over death as well. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we too can have that victory. And Nathan, you know, uh, it's, it's funny because today we notice that the, the rapture of the church, that teaching is so under attack and the imminent return of the Lord, the soon return of the Lord. And, and here, Paul, they were always waiting, right, Nathan? They were always anticipating, man, today could be that day. This is one of those great verses that, to me, it's a Bible prophecy verse. We're finally, you know, at Bible prophecy, which is a topic you and I tend to cover most. And it's one of those that tells us the believer in Christ will be delivered from the wrath to come. And whenever it talks about wrath, God's wrath, it's talking about God's anger, God's punishment upon the nations for their sins, particularly what's called Daniel's 70th week, a seven-year tribulation time period. 
And in that time period, that's when God will pour out his wrath upon the world for their sins. But believers in Christ will be delivered from that wrath to come. So 1 Thessalonians 1.10 is one of those verses that should give the Christian hope because it tells us that we will not live during the tribulation. Excellent point. And Nathan, uh, we pray for those that are tuned in and those that are part of the program to maybe take some time and read through uh, 1 Thessalonians all the way through chapter 5 and maybe even 2 Thessalonians because at the ending of every chapter, pretty much, we're exhorted uh, to look up for the coming of the Lord. Uh, and it's just an amazing passage. And I love it because, he, again, we see God's grace towards the church. Again, he tells us here, that we are not appointed unto this time of wrath. He says, even Jesus who deliver us from, from the wrath to come. And people make a, a mistake between the wrath of God, right, Nathan, for the unbelievers and, and who the church is. Right. And clearly, the church is persecuted. Uh, Paul even says right there that they're under great persecution. So, brother, we have persecution. We are persecuted by man. We're persecuted by Satan. But the tribulation is the wrath of God. And God's wrath is on the disobedient. Matter of fact, Ephesians 5, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now, who are those who are disobedient? Those are the people who haven't accepted Jesus as Savior. Mm. And you know, Nathan, the book of Revelation, there, chapters 2 and chapter 3, talks about the churches and the message to the churches. And then we find there uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 3, that it makes a, a, a distinction there in terms of who are the earth dwellers, in other words, who are actually going to go through this time of the tribulation and, and who are not, and the church is not mentioned. It isn't. Revelation 3.10 says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, that goes along with, say, Romans 5.9, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? In Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, brother, there are many verses, especially this one here in 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, that give the believer in Christ hope that even though thing, uh, times are tough and persecutions are great, the ultimately worst time in all of human history, the tribulation, God's wrath is not meant for us. Praise the Lord. Nathan, and of course, uh, when we talk about the tribulation, it's also known as the day of the Lord, and it's known by many other uh, names, right? Yeah, a time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, there's also the great tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. Uh, there are, yeah, there's a quite a number of different ways the Bible describes it, but you got to think of it, it's like the flood, you know? The flood was God's wrath on humanity for, it just descended into such wickedness. So he annihilated the planet with water and saved Moses, excuse me, Noah and his family through it. And they were pulled away from the wrath of God. They were protected. So too the tribulation is again God's wrath upon the world. And once he's done that, Jesus Christ will come, he will defeat evil, and he will set up his kingdom on the earth. So the flood, the tribulation, two major points in time with the wrath of God. And here we're told Christians will not have to endure that wrath. I love it. You know, Nathan, uh, now that you mentioned that, I just we need to let uh, those that are tuned in understand that we don't have much time, that we really are living in those days that the Bible talks about. Because you mentioned the flooding, and the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, we see this world is right there, ripe and prepared for what the Bible is talking about. 
We do. We live in a time period where we're getting very close to the tribulation. The signs of the times that Jesus gave us point to the, his soon return. And uh, we live in a time of increasing immorality and debauchery and how it's becoming like the days of Noah, just like the days of Noah. And God in his patience is giving us time to repent, just like he gave uh, the time of Noah a hundred years to repent. Uh, but eventually, the wrath does come, brother, and I would not want to be an unbeliever, someone who hasn't accepted Jesus as Savior, and have to live through the terror that is the wrath of God. Mm, excellent point, and we want to encourage those that are listening and tuned in. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, God has granted you an opportunity today to be tuned in to this program and to be part of this study so that you would hopefully grab hold of the grace of God and uh, be able to escape this wrath uh, that is to come. And Nate, I know we only have about a minute left of the program, but will you be able to maybe share a word of encouragement to that person that maybe will be listening to this program or is listening to this program and maybe how they can right now turn to the Lord? We turn to the Lord just like uh, the folks did in, in the Thessalonica. They eagerly accepted the, the moving of the Holy Spirit in their lives. If you feel that there's a conflict in your heart, it means the Holy Spirit of God is working in you. He wants you to give your life to Him, surrender your life. And Lord, uh, you pray in your heart, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And He promises that He will do just that. He will take away your sins. He will take away your guilt. Your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ, and you have that hope of a future in heaven with Him forever. Ooh. Excellent word of encouragement. Thank you so much, Nathan. And of course, we want to encourage any of you that are in need of prayer. Maybe you pray to receive the Lord. You can always get a hold of us. Again, calling us at 321 end time, 321-363-8463 or 305-992-9537. You can actually text in uh, your prayer requests or questions or comments, and we would love to be able to uh, uh, pray with you. So Nathan, man, what an incredible, incredible passage, right? here in First Thessalonians. And man, I want to thank you so much for pulling out this wonderful background on these scriptures and uh, for being part of the program today. And I'm so glad that we're back uh, on the mic. Yes, yes. And you picked a great book, brother. Thank you for wanting to study this. Uh, there's so much I think we as Christians can learn from the Church of Thessalonica. Absolutely. Well, Nathan Jones, thank you so much for being part of the program. It's always exciting to have you on. And I pray you have an awesome, awesome week, Nate. You too, brother. Awesome. And of course, we want to thank you all for being part of our program here, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy uh, Edition, as we have been looking at the rapture road in uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians, a verse-by-verse -verse study of biblical prophecy. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. And we pray that you all have a wonderful, wonderful week.